all over the place today. Sorry, I hit the wrong button. I stopped it and all this stuff. That's my fault, Michael. I'm sorry. Yep, you should be. Should yep. be sorry. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still got a lot of things to do. Martin Gramatic is going to be here at 9 o'clock. We got football picks. We'll get Ian Beckles on the phone because he's doing football picks with us this year. Uh, Carmen, is Vinny on the hotline? I'm leaving a message right now because he's not Leaving there. a message? Aww. I did tell him 8.30, Carmen. He might be with Larry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, what's going on with Larry? Larry, uh, I can tell you now, Vinny has not had sex with Barack Obama, to Aww. my knowledge. To my knowledge. I could be wrong. I don't know. Larry did hit me back last night via email and said that uh, his phone, because he's in Mexico. He's hiding out. And his, I assume his phone works on Wi-Fi and... They cut the line in his neighborhood, which uh, meant his Wi-Fi went out. A lot of excuses. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was the last correspondence. That was about 11 o'clock last night. Of all people, Joe said he had a lot of excuses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is also under cyber attack, apparently. His yeah. Wi-Fi Joe? is. Oh, no, 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 Larry. Larry. Joe, that's a good excuse for you to use. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I couldn't get the video up. Cyber attack. <laughs> uh, well, there's a situation going on at the MGM in Las Vegas, and I, it should be the top news story, and, and I'm watching the news here on Fox News Local, Fox News National, CNN, and I see nothing about it anywhere. And I, I don't know what the reasoning would be for them to not report it, but it seems like it's something very interesting. Certainly the people who are headed to Vegas for a uh, vacation. I even know people down there right now that are vacationing. Uh, there is a cyber attack on, uh, first it was Caesars, and Caesars paid, and they're up and operational. And then the MGM properties, where they say that it shut down the IT, but that means it shut down the billing, it shut down the keys that open the doors, uh, all those things. And they said their casinos are fully operational, but then none of their slot machines are working. So I don't really know what the truth is. I follow this woman on the, on uh, Instagram called Vegas Fish, I believe is what it is. And she goes around and she does, uh, like, if you like a good buffet, you need to go to this hotel. If you want a bad buffet, this is a hotel. And she does all those. She'll tell you what best plays to go to. I mean, shows to go to and see where you're there and things like that. And she always makes good videos. So I follow it. Well, now, last night, she was like, you got to follow because they keep taking my video down. And she's like, so follow it and spread around before they take this one down. And she goes inside the MGM casino and you see all the seats pushed up on the uh, on the slot machines and it's dark in there and... She's explaining, so the rumor has it that Caesars paid and Caesars is good, but the MGM said they were going to pay and they didn't pay, so they started shutting it down in waves, and all their IT stuff is on. So I don't really know what the full truth is, or as Joe likes to say, the fulls. The I don't fulls. know the fulls, get the fulls, but I'd like to find out because, uh, you know, I, I, I want to know. My dad was always the first one to tell me, that when he, like, my dad is the only one I know that checks out of a hotel. I don't ever check out. I just leave. And he goes, when you leave, you take those room keys because they got all of your credit card information on it. And I go, no, they don't want that room key, but they do. Mm-hmm. That's why you could charge with them and all that stuff. And you don't realize how big of a deal that is until somebody gets yours and starts using your stuff. So uh, all that stuff comes down. It's attached through your card, through your ID, through your, uh, through your payment schedule that you have there in the hotel. And they're able to tap into all of that. So... I'm watching Charlie Belcher, and again, I don't know where he is, but he's interviewing a woman who's holding a child who's trying to eat the microphone. Uh, <laughs> the kid literally has a microphone in her mouth. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Adorable and hilarious. Uh, Michael. Right. Yes. Our guest is on line one. This is uh, Vinny. Vinny is the head of digital forensics and incident response for a company called Blue Voyant. You can find them online. If you simply just put Blue Voyant, it's the first thing that come up. Let's welcome our friend Vinny back to the show. Vinny, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Now, uh, Vinny, if you can just give these people a background with what you did uh, before you formed your own company. Oh, sure. Yeah, I was uh, I was over at the FBI 
uh, in the New York office for about 11 glorious years and uh, finished my career in the cyber division. I did my first, I think, seven years working at time at organized crime and then my last three or four in the cyber division. Um, prior to that, I was a practicing attorney here in New York as well. When you were when you were thinking about getting into the cyber division, is it because you saw the crime there going up so much? You're like, this is the this is the crime wave of the future. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I first went into the FBI in 2004, post 9 11, um, the the uh, of course the focus was on counterterrorism investigations. I really didn't have a super strong interest in that. I was obsessed with uh, technology and and. Uh, and really organized crime. So I, I landed in the uh, Italian organized crime division, working in the Colombo family, which was, was an absolute dream. I always had an interest in the cyber side of things, but um, that violation, you know, those investigations were really in their infancy, you know, in the 2000s, as people were figuring out really creative ways to use computer technology to commit crimes. And then by 2000, and, uh, I guess it was probably 11-ish, 12, when I moved over to cyber, they had you know, exploded in terms of the types of cases they were doing. I was just fascinated with the types of investigations that they were working on. And that was clearly to me, the organized crime of the what, future. Uh, was, the, over at cyber. was the mob using, uh, was the mob moving on to this sort of crime as well? Not maybe not like uh cyber ransom, but were they moving on to like the same, like we could rob card games or we could rob crypto dealers. Like did they move that far in advance or are they still doing small time stuff? No, the closest they came, at least at the time, to using computer technology is maybe to you know take a laptop and smash them over the head with it. That's probably be as close <laughs> as they can get. Uh, um, they they were using they were using online uh, bookmaking services, overseas online bookmaking services. So rather than keep you know an old school book that the FBI could seize, they were using telephonic services. So they'd give customers you know IDs. They could call in. Those conversations were recorded. So if you were a bookmaker and you had customers that were making bets, um, if there was, when it came time to settle, if there was a claim about, oh, I didn't make that bet, or I, I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't bet that amount, or I didn't bet on that team, there was an actual recording they could go back to. Um, and those were usually hosted overseas, so that when we made arrests, it was a little bit more difficult for us to, to piece that together. Um, as far as, you know, and given, look, my, you know, I left, like I said, organized crime in 2000 and you know, 11-ish, I guess. And so that's not to say that there, there's a chance that they haven't, you know, um, adopted and accepted it. Yeah, advanced. But the truth is, is that it's it's not something that lends itself to the type of people that end up in Italian organized crime um, for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, the cyber side of things, these ransomware gangs are absolutely the organized crime of the 21st century. So uh, this has hit very hard for us. We've been we've been uh, victims of it before, and now the reason I reached out to you last night, which uh, which is good because I haven't talked to you in a while. At least there's a good cyber crime to bring us back together. Uh, sure. I was, I've been watching. I've been following this thing on Twitter of all places about the MGM uh, casinos and the uh, hotels being victimized by ransomware, and then I follow a couple of people who do daily blogs or vlogs of Las Vegas, but they're mostly telling you about what hotels to stay at, what shows to see. And now they've all become, Hey, this is what's going on. And for some reason, they're trying to keep it as quiet as possible. Like you don't see it on the local news. I haven't yeah. seen a whole bunch of it on the national news. It's mostly been on the internet that I'm getting any information. Oh yeah. There's, there's an element of shame that goes along with being a victim of a ransomware attack. Um, not so, I mean, there shouldn't be, I'm not suggesting that right. a company should be shamed. We deal with organizations all the time that are in midst of, uh, in the midst of these types of attacks. And 
um, there's a psychological component to when your company or organization gets hit because um, at the highest levels of most of the organizations we deal with, there is a sense of shock and disbelief in the first, you know, 72 hours following a breach event like this. That's sort of like, how could this happen? And you can imagine MGM probably has a substantial, considerable budget dedicated towards cybersecurity. And for something like this to happen and what's going to be what I can only imagine in an enormous um, eight-figure demand that's going to come in, um, you know, for, from the uh, from the Black Hat ransomware yeah. group. You know, there's there's definitely an attempt to keep this from a PR perspective, um, you know, as yeah. quiet as possible. But this information tends to come out one way or another, especially with as big of a breach as this is going to turn out to be. Well, okay, so the the if you can lend a little of your insight into this, because from what I'm hearing, they're saying that their casino floor is still operational, yet they're their slot machines seem to be what shut down, and they uh, yep. they're also saying that it's their it's their IT as far as taking reservations, being uh, being able to hold guests accountable for things they charge to their room, their their uh, actual room key system itself. That seems to be what has been hit the most. And the other rumor that I heard was that Caesars was also hit, but Caesars paid up right away, so they're back and fully operational. <laughs> So that yeah. do you, do you suggest yeah. that do you suggest that companies uh because I mean you know I remember last time I talked to you about this they said you you called it right away you said here's what happens the company is under siege their engineers are trying to rebuild the network so that they think that they could switch everything over there the minute right. they do the cyber guys will be in that one as well and then they got you so you're ve- eventually yeah. going to pay and I remember asking you who's to say if you pay that they're not just going to turn around and do this to you again a week later. And you were like, no, they're actually yeah. pretty, pretty reliable with that stuff. Yeah. It's the sad truth that, you know, I, we don't, I don't take a stance and, and definitely as, as a company, you know, that's a business decision that um, my, my role in these, these types of engagements is really just to provide um, informed uh, information and informed con- things to consider factors to consider but ultimately, it's up to our clients to decide whether or not they, they want to pay. And, you know, you look at MGM, who's probably losing somewhere in the area of, you know, $15 million a day, easily, Oof. I would say, um, just from being potentially down. Yeah. If a demand comes in for, let's say, you mentioned Caesars, the rumor on the Caesars payout was somewhere, I think the demand was maybe $30 million. I've, I've heard anywhere between 15 and $30 million was paid, which is an, an insane amount. But um, the threat for Caesars are... Exactly. The threat actors are contemplating that. What is that amount to you and what is your business interruption law? So, um, you know, it's it's not it's not everyone likes to say I wouldn't pay. um, And I certainly wish nobody would pay. My 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 hope is that when I go into every engagement that the client finds themselves in a situation where they don't have to pay, there's nothing more um, satisfying for me because the idea of these people getting paid this type of money for committing criminal activity um, committing these crimes against U.S. organizations is sickening to me. But I'm also realistic and and understand that, you know, it's it's uh, it's a business decision ultimately. And sometimes business decisions hurt um, in, in the end. But, yeah, the, and the idea of being re-encrypted from the same threat actor, again, that's typically a low, a low, um, a low risk. They don't you typically, the same group doesn't typically come back and hit you again. Yeah. Um, not to mention you're probably the most security conscious and the most secure in the six months after uh, a large breach like this, because what does most, what do most organizations do 
post-breach is they get everything in order, right? They're going right. to say, well, this is never going to happen again. So they're going to maybe dedicate some resources and services that they probably should have done beforehand. Uh, they'll do that after the fact. So so uh, these who are these people, first of all? They are, they are Chinese, they are Russian, they are Eastern European, or are they a combination of all of that? Yeah, attribution is really difficult with that said. Um, when you're, uh, you could pick up clues through these conversations. So that during the negotiation phase, um, with these threat actors, they can, you can usually pick up some clues, you know, when they're online, when they're active, mention of holidays, um, you know, obviously the use of language as English as a second language, things like that. And so the vast majority of these attacks are, are coming from, um, the Ukraine and Russia. And so you could imagine with the conflict over there over the past 12 months or so, that has definitely impacted um, the flow and the, the frequency yeah. and severity of these attacks over the last really you know year, year and a half. But as things have started to settle in uh, in 2023, we've seen a resurgence in these types of attacks, um, including demand you know going up and a, a, a rise in you know overall payments um, from victims. Whereas in the you know last year, as compared to last year, we saw a nice trend developing. Really, last year and the year before, we saw a nice trend developing where clients uh, were finding themselves in a position to not have to pay. And uh, that was happening more and more frequently. And now we're seeing a little bit of a, re a reversal of that. So as to who they are, the, the name of the group specifically is Black Cat. Yeah. Um, they're, they're one of the largest, if not probably the largest uh, ransomware uh, organized crime group that's out there right now. Um, and so they're you know incredibly sophisticated. Although this attack rumor is was not um, necessarily a sophisticated one, it leaned more on social socially based uh, uh, engineering attack on somebody uh, uh, looking up uh, names on on LinkedIn and contacting the help desk. Believe it or not, wow. is, oh the, is the is the rumor um, from from at least one uh, one uh, very uh, confident uh, you know source with a with a high. Uh, high confidence, high credibility that they, they essentially went on LinkedIn, found out the names of uh, an IT person contacted the help desk and was able to convince the help desk to give credentials over to that person. Oh, with phone, which, someone's it, getting yeah. fired. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, this it, is the thing is you, you, you try to, you can rely on the technology a ton, which is a lot of, you know, the ways these breaches do happen, but it's not like, you know, this isn't oceans, you know, 14 here. Uh, <laughs> in the end, in the end, this is, you know, this could be something as simple as a phone call. Where does uh, AI play a role in this? I mean, before you know it, you're going to have AI conversations instead of emails with these people yeah. that are tricking them into giving them information and, and leaking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's no indication that this is, you know, has played a role that, you know, we do get asked that a lot, like, you know, in the future, is AI going to play a role in these types of um, attacks? And the answer is, yeah, most certainly, especially when you're dealing with um, these groups that are overseas, uh, you know, you're dealing with people that are typically non-native English speakers. And so mm -hmm. for most people at a help desk, uh, if they get a phone call from somebody with an accent they're not expecting, that should be, for most people, red flag number one. And, and AI may be able to fix or compensate for that. Um, but not only that, just from a, you know, from not from a social engineering perspective, but from a technology perspective, there's going to be a new arms race that's going to be threat actors using AI to defeat security and companies and organizations embracing and adopting AI to defend against it. So it'll just be the, era, the dawn of a new era of, of, of an arms race between those two types of technologies or, the per or using those types of technologies for two different purposes.
It's insane. It's uh, this is Vinny. Vinny is a uh, former FBI. He now the, is the digital forensics and incident response uh, head for a company called Blue Voyant. Uh, I have a question you. for you, Vinny. Uh, due to the size and the sophistication and the resources that a group like Black Hat has, would you think it's safe to assume, in your opinion, that maybe this group is funded by a foreign government? Yeah, well, I guess the question, I, the way I would answer that is, is there a difference, is there a big difference between being funded by a government or a government deliberately looking the other way? And I would argue that the difference is probably more academic than, than real. And so do I think necessarily somebody's being paid? I don't think they have to be. I just think as long as you know you can operate within the boundaries of your country and know that, that um, there will be zero effort put in, in in identifying who you are. And worst case scenario is if you, do, you are identified, the likely uh, penalty for that would be just paying your way out of that. Um, yeah. then, then you don't really need to be sponsored necessarily. But some groups are. You see that a lot of, out of, of course, uh, North Korea and China. But with these criminal organizations, um, if they're run anything like organized crime is run here in the United States, it's more, it's, it would be more about, you know, a corruption on the side of just pay, payouts and, and kickbacks to people to look the other way. And you have to remember, Russia's in the middle of a war, of course. Their economy is struggling. And you're looking at, you know, how many unemployed people with technical skills that have to put food on the table, who this suddenly becomes an an alternative that, you know, even from the government's perspective, they might not even care that these people are doing this. It's not impacting Russian citizens, not impacting Ukrainian citizens. Well, can you um, imagine yeah. we, we can't go to the cave today. Let's rob a casino. Oh, no. God. Uh, this is amazing. All right, so let me, if you can, if I'm a, because this doesn't just happen to MGM. This happens to small businesses everywhere. If I wake yeah. up tomorrow morning in my business and I get a, what is it, typically an email? Or is it my, uh, uh, you know, like you see in the movies where there's like a big thing on my front page? What What is the first thing I see that's telling me you're under you're under ransomware? Depends who you are in the company. As a regular user, you probably won't be able to log in. Mm-hmm. Um, but as someone who has administrator uh, access into your network, you might um, be sitting in front of a server with a note, a uh, ransom note. It's just a text file sitting on your desktop. Mm-hmm. Um, some some variants of ransomware will actually have it where your your machine you know has a uh, like a splash page on it. Right. Uh, most variants are where it's just a note. It's just you're going to find um, you're going to be able to get into a server. But all of the, the operating systems working, meaning Windows is working. But once you go into where your data is stored, you're going to find all your files with, with an extension on them, you know, that you don't recognize yeah. that, that's indicating your files encrypted. And there's going to be these notes scattered about. And the note's going to say, hey, you've been hit with ransomware. This is the group we are. Don't try to decrypt your data. You're just going to corrupt it and contact us in, in this method. Usually it's a link. Uh, it's a dot onion link, which is a, a uh, the equivalent of a dot-com link for the dark web, uh, however, so that you can go on uh, using what's called a Tor browser, go on the dark web and make contact with the threat actor in a way that's secure that they can't, that the the government, um, I don't want to say can't because we have in the past, but it makes it very difficult to determine who they, where they're actually connecting from using, you know, the dark web. And then the negotiations would start from there. So, um, we don't recommend, um, I don't recommend that if you find yourself in that situation, 
um, that you start any sort of negotiations or communication um, because even the initial contact is valuable to the threat actor because right. especially if you're a smaller to medium-sized business, they might not be sure that you're aware that you've been encrypted because it's not always clear to them exactly what they've impacted, especially for these smaller groups. So you even indicating that you've received a note and the timing at which you respond can give send a signal that you're hurt, you're hurt bad, and you're desperate, which is going to make that demand go up. So we recommend that you play cool, reach out, you know, to a company like Bluevoin or another company, and get experts involved right out, right from the get go, so that you can keep all your option uh, options on the table in terms of how you want to, you know, put together strategy. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. So if this if this hit me, the first thing I would do is uh, do some research and find out who to call. So I call Blue Voyant. I yeah. say, "Hey, Avni, I got an, a message from these guys. They've uh, they've hijacked my network." And then you take over from there. You you guys talk to them, or you got or or you tell us what to do. Yeah. Like, how does that usually work? Yeah, there's so there's going to be a couple streams of work that are going to be happening simultaneously. There's going to be the negotiation aspect, which as you're kind of highlighting from your line of questioning, that is the number one most uh, interesting thing to our clients because they're focused on getting back up and running every minute that they're down, they're losing money. Right. Um, but there's, there's, that's going to happen. Um, so we're going to just talk, discuss with you, you know, what your status is as an organization, how, um, how much interruption this, this um, attack has caused. Are you 50% operational, 20%, 90%? That's all going to, factor into how we make that initial contact and how quickly we make that initial contact. Um, on top of that, while we're working on coming up with a strategy for reaching out to the threat actor and starting the negotiations, we have to figure out how deep in your network are they? What's the status of your backups? Because most of our clients initially will, you know, believe that they have valid, um, viable backups. And, you know, I would say a good 65% of the time, you know, 12 hours later, they find out that their backups have been encrypted or have Oof. been destroyed. Um, oh. Because the threat actors know that's the first thing you're going to do. Sure. They have the advantage of knowing, um, you know, what they're in your network. They know that you don't know they're in their network. So for them, they're going to spend an extra day or two floating around looking for your backups, looking for um, your life raft so that when you think, oh, I'm not going to pay these guys, you know, you find out the bad news when you go to restore your backups and your IT person will say, oh, our backups were encrypted or our backups were offline for the last two months because of some error on our side and we don't have anything. So we're going to be working on containment. We're going to be working on collecting evidence. And then simultaneously, we're going to pick up the uh, the negotiation side of things if that's what the company wants to do. Um, and start to work on getting an initial demand from the threat actor, which is essentially what do you want? Yeah. You know, what is, you know, and look at that number can be something we've had instances where that number is, um, widely overinflated and there's zero chance that there's ever going to be, you know, uh, you're ever going to be able to come to an agreement. And we've had cases where the number, the threat actors just misgaged who they landed on yeah. and our clients are like, we would pay, you know, 10 times that. Yeah. So, um, you know, not so much anymore that they do their research now, but in the early days, especially, um, you had instances like that. So, well, it's, it's like you said, now there's going to be more, process. there's going to be more people trying to do it. You know, as the war goes on over there and more people need money, you're going to go back yeah. to getting novices doing it. So you never know. So it may hit your small yeah. business. And if it does, Vinny, I asked Vinny to call today 
to talk about his expertise, not necessarily to plug his company, but there's going to be plenty of people out there who are going to want to know somebody to call as soon as this happens. The company is called Blue Voyant. You can find them online at bluevoyant.com. And this is a guy who's got years of working with the FBI, uh, years of cybersecurity, years of crypto, years of organized crime. And clearly by hearing him talk today, you, you know he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, Spanish has more questions. Uh, I have uh, another question, Vinny. Uh, are you sure. aware of the cyber polygon conspiracy theory that the World Economic Forum did a uh, cyber attack simulation and that is a precursor to what is to come? <laughs> no, I did it, but now I'm going to be all over X uh, this afternoon looking it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do, and uh, and uh, if you have any thoughts, let uh, let us know. Half I would of like the to thing know. Spanish says makes me roll my eyes. Mm-hmm. The other half makes me want to take all my money and put it in uh, in gold bars and yeah. keep it in my house. Well, because they did the. Yeah. The uh, a simulation of the pandemic, and then like two years later, the the actual pandemic happened, and they just did a, a cyber attack simulation, saying it's going to shut down, you know, uh, the the whole world. Yeah. Uh, and I just wanted to know, but yeah, if you if you look into it, good luck. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, look, what I'll say about that is, and I think Mike, you kind of hit on this earlier in the conversation, which is, think of this. I mean, you know, we're old enough to remember going to uh, hotels where you know they would give you a key. A physical key. And um, there was nothing that a bad guy can do, you know, other than go through with a screwdriver and, and jam it into every door and break every lock to, to prevent you from getting in your room. Right. We're at a point now where as we you know, rely more and more technology, um, you know, our cars are, are, are computers on wheels, our hotel rooms are computer, you know, computerized doors, your check-in system. We are incredibly vulnerable to this type of, type of disruption as compared to a mere 20 years ago, 30 years ago, where this something like this would have had a minimal impact on on uh, a hotel or anything like that. So the idea that uh, 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 an attack or, or a war has to take place in sort of a traditional mechanical, you know, bombs and missiles to cause disruption, that's out the window. As we can see, you know, all, that they have, all anyone has to do is disrupt our technology and that'll have the same impact, uh, you know, on the on the population. So we're incredibly vulnerable to that, which is honestly the whole reason why when people ask, you know, why did you leave the FBI? I left with three other agents and and we were lucky enough to get involved with starting, you know, Blue Boy and Blue Boy's entire focus is, you know, providing that security. I do investigations. I love that. I hope I can do that forever. But Blue Boy is a much larger company. Um, I think we're over 700 employees now worldwide that provides the cyber defense to prevent your organization from becoming victimized. And so that's really where I tell people, you don't want to ever meet me. You don't want to ever talk to me. You don't want to ever have to deal with me because that means there's, there's a failure somewhere that happened that was probably preventable. But yeah, as things go on, those types of conspiracies become less and less uh, crazy sounding and more and more realistic as we, as we, you know, march on with connecting literally everything I mean, how many things, Mike, in your house are connected to the Internet right now? Oh, I don't even want to think about it. I mean, I I would be, yeah, I mean, but the most valuable thing in my house that run by power and the Internet is, uh, or not by, is uh, my air conditioning. So as long as that works, I don't care if anything else works in my house. That's so true, especially down there. Are we to assume that every time there's a power grid accident somewhere where where there's a state that goes, oh, we don't know why, but our power grid went down for a half hour, or our entire lighting system went down for it, that it's somebody just testing the, 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 you know, control they have over them. Yeah. Yeah. No. So fortunately when it comes to like industrial controls and and things like the grid there, there, that was probably the first sector to really start focusing on protecting um, their infrastructure because they, you know, the the grid going down, the power grid going down is, would be next level. Um, And so, 
not to say that there's there's not concern there. There's definitely concern there, but that was an obvious source of concern from 15 years ago. People started thinking about, you know, what can be online, what isn't. And a lot of these, um, uh, you know, power companies included are smart enough. You know, they're not going to have an Alexa running the grid. You know, hey, Alexa, turn <laughs> up grid seven. It's not, you know, that they, they know that those things have to be physical, physically connected. There has to be a physical component. Uh, as I said that night, <laughs> just went off in the background. Um, but you know, so fortunately, there's a there's a uh, there's a stopgap there between you know getting those things online. But um, but the rest of the, I love how I love how Alexa feels the need to then just give you 52 suggestions when you yeah. say her name. Yeah, it never actually so works when you like, when yeah. you ask it something. Yeah. It never actually works for you. No, but instead, if I accidentally say the name, she's like, by the way, I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm in like a relationship now. By the way, did you know? I'm like, shut up. Uh, well, listen. Um, but I, yeah, I, that's that's, that's going to be a concern going forward for, for sure. Um, keep, keep, I would say it's uh, to your, to the, I'm not a con, you know, conspiracy theory type of person, although I do go down rabbit holes on occasion, but I, I find myself, you know, really telling people that a healthy level of skepticism, I think, is, is exactly that. And you should be um, always thinking about those types of things because what's, you know, insanely crazy, you know, uh, a year ago becomes fact, you know, a year later. So, Well, look, it's like you said, I enjoy talking to you, but I hope I never need you. And uh, if you do, <laughs> the, co the company is called Blue Voyant. You may want to write it down and store it somewhere or remember to go to bluevoyant.com and bookmark it because, uh, you may come across a time where you need it or you know somebody. And uh, uh, it was the first thing I did when I knew some people that were in some trouble. I said, hey, I know a guy, and he may be able to help you out. And you want to start it early. Don't wait until you don't yeah. think you can handle it on your own. Next thing you know, you're digging your own grave. So I I, I, I love having you on. I love talking about this stuff. I, I Anytime there's crypto problems, I love to call you. Uh, I appreciate you getting up early and coming on, my man. No problem. Appreciate it. Good talking yeah. to you guys. All right, pal. Talk to you later. There you go. The great AD. See you, man. Uh, Vinny, uh, thank you. Uh, is uh, he's now the head of that uh, Blue Voyant? And can you imagine if you had to give him a call? No. Well, the pain in the ass your life's gonna be for the next six months. I can't imagine all the countries and servers he's gained access to because of his job all around the world that has all kinds of information. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the the truth of this story. But one day, maybe off the air, I'll have him tell you. But he told me this story about how he had a he was chasing a guy who was a very famous crypto guy and they seized his crypto in an airport they got him and they got his crypto password and everything in the airport he said they were Vinny was like we were two seconds away from him changing it and us never being able to figure out what the code was he goes but because we got him when we did we got him right before he changed the information and we were able to recover like a billion dollars I'm making it up but he was like we were we were so close to him changing it and never having access to it. So, yeah, he tells some really interesting stories about... he. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who should write a book and make a movie and all that stuff. I mean, he's got it, and he's not showy about it. He did it because I asked him. I called him last night. I said, when I saw that this MGM thing was still going on and nobody was talking about it, I go, why isn't this on the news everywhere? And I reached out to Vinny, and I go, hey. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, this will be fun to talk about. I said, all right, cool. So... He's a good guy to know and a bad guy to have to call. How about that? <laughs> I hope that he does look into that conspiracy theory because I think he's oh, going to sure find he it interesting. Yeah. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he, but I'm sure he approaches it from a different aspect That's than what you I do. Talk, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, we got to take a break, get some commercials in, and I got to pee like crazy. Martin will join us at the top of the hour. We got football picks. It's the Mike Calta show. This is 1025 The Bone. 
You're listening to The Mike Caltus Show on 102.5 The Bone. Go Bulls. Saturday at 3.30, it's a big one as USF takes on Alabama at Raymond James Stadium right here on The Bone. Your home for USF football. 102.5 The Bone. Real Raw Radio. And now, another Bone Traffic Update from the Safe Touch. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.